The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 5, starting at verse 12, all the way through verse 26. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged them to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with them to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down on his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who is paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. They glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. The word of the Lord. In our passage this morning, we're going to see Jesus bump some people. He's going to collide with people. He's going to impact people. They're not going to be able to uh, just be bored with him or ignore him. He's going to be right in their face, in their life. He's going to make a difference. And we see that when Jesus bumps people, some people are very, very happy. They're very, very happy. And then there's some other people who are very, very angry. Some people are happy and some people are angry. That always happens when Jesus bumps you. It always happens. When you get a taste of who he is, you can't stay as you were. So I'm praying Jesus will bump us this morning. And hopefully we'll be the happy kind. Uh, That he bumps us and we find his joy. But I want to see four things with you in these stories. Number one, we're going to see again who Jesus is. We're going to see who he is. Number two, we're going to see what he loves to do for his people. See who Jesus is. See what he loves to do for his people. Three, we're also going to see the only way to come to him. And four, we're going to see how you change as you come to him. So number one, who Jesus is. See what he does for his, what he loves to do for his people. Three, the only way to come to him. Four, how you change as you come to him. So we've been studying through the Gospel of Luke, and in this chapter, there's these snapshots of stories where Jesus interacts with various people. Uh, In just this morning, we're going to see three 
people he interacts with. Number one, it's gonna be a leper, but people. We could call the scribes and the Pharisees. And so the question then arises is, which kinds of people does Jesus leave happy after he bumps them? And what kind of people are left angry? Well, the secret's already out. We heard the text read. You already know the answer, right? Uh, We saw it was the leper and the paralytic who were happy, and it was the scribes and the Pharisees who were angry. So we're, we're ready for that, but I think a question maybe is, why? I mean, do you realize how scandalous this was for the day? In, if, if we were to go back, back to first century AD and, and somebody was to give you three kinds of people, leper, paralytic, scribes, and Pharisees, the first two are people you don't wanna be with. Those first two are people who are outside of the community. They're unwanted, they're people you don't wanna touch, they're people you don't wanna interact with. You would see them rather like failures. Yuck, that's how you'd feel toward them. But then if it was, uh, hey, what do you want your son to be when he grows up? A lot of you would be like, I hope he's a scribe or a Pharisee. I'm not kidding. I hope he's a scribe or a Pharisee. Those are the in crowd, they're influential, they're honored, they're respected, they know the scriptures, they go to church, they are religious practitioners. You would not wanna be with the leopard for sure. And you really probably wouldn't wanna hang out with the paralytic. The scribes and the Pharisees, man, if you're in with them, You're in. And so this story should surprise us. And the big question we should ask is, why? What makes the leper and the paralytic leave happy after they bump Jesus? And what is it that's so wrong with the scribes and the Pharisees that after they bump Jesus, they're angry? What's going on? And as we look at them, well, who else do we wanna look at? Look at yourself. Have you had Jesus bump you? Do you know who he is? Do you know what he loves to do for his people? Have you responded to him in the only way he receives? Are you changing? And hopefully we'll leave from here today happy that he's bumped us. And some of you, I hope, will leave angry because that would be better than you leaving neutral. So let's dig in. Scene one, Jesus encounters a leper. Verse 12, while Jesus is in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. So he doesn't just say, Luke, that this guy had some leprosy. He's full of leprosy. Leprosy was the catch-all word for a lot of ancient, contagious, and very nasty skin diseases. It can kill you, it can warp your bone structure, and it's contagious, it's gross, it's ooh. You see that? Gross. And this man is full of leprosy. So if he walked by, you're literally like, I'm standing over here. You ever been with somebody when they have a really bad cough and they're like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and you're like, could you not? <laughs> okay, a leper, you don't wanna go within, you don't wanna go within 10 yards of him. Why? Because you don't wanna catch it. You don't wanna catch it. I wanna show you just a picture of the law from, Le- from Leviticus on uh, what a leprous person experiences. And, and in a way, of course, this is love for the community, right? If one person has leprosy, we can't just have them hanging out because very soon what's gonna happen to all of us? Look at Leviticus 13, 45 to 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, let the hair of his head hang loose. He shall cover his upper lip and cry out. What does he say? unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease, he's unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. How horrible is that? How horrible 
is that? Of course, by this time, there's also a, a huge social stigma to this. Huge social stigma. There was this kind of common belief, and I think it's still around today, that if God really loves you, he'll make your life easy. And if your life is hard, therefore, God might not love you. So you're the outsider, plus I don't wanna catch your mess. Stay away, stay far away. You're gross. This man is full of leprosy. I just have to ask you, what is it that makes you think other people are unclean and you don't wanna get too close? And I just wanna ask you, what is it that you think about yourself makes you unclean, not worthy to be a part, not worthy to be in? There's stuff in there, isn't there? Shame, regret, a condition, a desire, a habit, a hobbit, uh, a, a, (laughs) a habit, Not a hobbit. Those don't make you unclean. (laughs) Although if you have an inner hobbit. My my sermon is now telling me, come home, Matt. Come back to me. You get the idea, right? So what's this guy supposed to do as he goes through the city? I mean, can you imagine? Do you ever feel this way about yourself? Or can you imagine this guy? He has to cover his mouth and yell unclean as he walks through. Look at what he does. Look at what he does. He's full of leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, one thing I love here, this is in the city, and there's crowds all around, and is the leper like, well, I can't go to Jesus because there's crowds, and they won't like me there. At this point in his life, he's like, yo, I'm full of leprosy. How much worse can it get? And he goes right through the crowds. He does not care about the crowds. Where's he gonna go? I am getting myself in front of Jesus. He's desperate for Jesus. He is desperate for Jesus. He's gotta have him. When he gets to Jesus, what does he do? He falls on his face and he begs. He is humble towards Jesus. He doesn't say, hey Jesus, I'll give you this if you give me a little of that. He's just totally humble. I got nothing, Jesus, I need you. He's begging him. He's desperate, he's humble, and he is full of I don't know how else to say it, faith. Because he says to Jesus, Lord, if you want, you could make me clean. What does he believe Jesus can do? He believes Jesus can heal his leprosy. How big, how bad, how awesome, how amazing does Jesus have to be to be able to pull that mess off? That's big faith. So the leper comes with a humble, desperate, confident faith in who Jesus is. Now, how does Jesus respond to this bold leper? I know we just heard it, we're used to it, we kind of have this expectation about Jesus, but listen, the crowd would have expected Jesus to say, gross, get out of my face, why are you here with all these people, you're gonna make them sick. That's what the scribes and Pharisees would have said. Get out of here, you're disgusting me. And it's not what Jesus does. What's the first thing Jesus does? I mean, slow-mo, slow-mo, first century AD, leper, full of leprosy, pus, missing parts, his bone structure is warped, he's, he's leaking, he's foul, we're all like, oh, go away, and Jesus comes closer, and the hand comes out, and everybody in the crowd is like, no, don't do it, because if you touch a leper, guess what? You're unclean, and you're probably gonna catch it, and Jesus' hand keeps going out, and he touches the leper, 
How long has it been since this guy was touched by another human? And Jesus touches him. Jesus touches him. That's just his first. <sighs> Not only that, Jesus says these precious words, I will be clean. I will be clean. Two parts I love. Number one is I will. And that's a, a fancy way of saying, I want to do this for you. I want to come near your uncleanness, to come near your shame, to come near your sense of being an outsider. I want to come right next to you and touch you, and I'm gonna make you clean. Be clean. And then, man, if we could all see it, warped facial structure, ripped up raw skin, he's healed. He's healed. Let's ask our four questions. Who's Jesus? What do you learn about Jesus from this passage? You see in verse 12, what does the leper call Jesus? Lord, Lord, you are so awesome as Lord, King, authority that the created structure responds to you. If you tell leprosy to all of a sudden be clean, it becomes clean. I don't know what kind of knowledge the other ologies. Evidently, Jesus has this. He's Lord. That's what we learned about Jesus. What does Jesus love to do for his people? What does he love to do? I will, I want to. He loves to come close to our shame, our uncleanness, and make us clean. He loves to. What is the only way to come to him? What is the only way to come to him? Does a leper come and say, Jesus, I've been a really good person. It's totally unfair I have this leprosy. Will you, will you please fix this world you've made? Because I deserve better. That's how we American Christians are prone to come to Jesus. I don't think you'll hear it. How does the leper come to Jesus? Desperate, I need you, I've got nothing, I need you. Humble, I'm on my face. Your Lord, I'm not confidence, but I know you're strong. Will you heal me? Jesus says, yes. Jesus is Lord, he loves to come near, make his people clean. The only way to come is a desperate, humble faith. How do you change as you come to him? Look at verse 14. Jesus charged the leper to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest, make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded. That is in the scriptures. Now that you've been healed and cleansed, guess how I want you to live? Follow my word. Follow my word. And don't see this as opposing the healing. This is a continuation of the healing. God's word, his law, his commands is what is good and healing for you and for me. It's the good life. Part of our sin is not trusting him. But to see him, to trust him, to know he's Lord, his commands are good. So he's changed. He's living according to the word. Hey, do you see the leper? Do you, see, do you see what we learn here? Who Jesus is, what he loves to do for his people, how we respond to him, and how we get changed. What about you? Look at the next episode, a paralytic. Verse 17, one of those days Jesus was teaching, Pharisees, teachers of the law were sitting there who'd come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. 
and the power of the Lord is with him to heal. So Jesus is teaching in this, in this house, it's probably a rich person's house because it's big and it's holding all these people and part of the audience now, it's our first inter- introduction in Luke to the scribes and the Pharisees. So, so Jesus' reputation is getting so big that all the religious authorities from everywhere, right, they named all these towns, all these religious authorities from everywhere are coming and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna critique him. They're gonna check this out. I don't know, we're gonna see, does he fit in, does he fall in with us? Let's see what's going on. And then you get this, uh, this line, the power of the Lord is with Jesus to heal. What does that mean? You know, it's a little strange. What did the leper call Jesus? We just saw it. What did he call him? Lord. And now Luke tells us the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. Now, which one is it? Is Jesus Lord or is there? We're Trinitarian, y'all. We're Trinitarian. One God. Three persons. The persons are distinct. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. They're distinct in persons, but in essence and in nature. One God, one Lord. So who's the Lord, Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Yes! The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. We see two things here. Let me back you up to verses 15 and 16. After Jesus heals this leper, Uh, Verse 15, now even more the reporter about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Verse 16, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Luke, maybe more than any other gospel author, shows you Jesus' discipline of going away from crowds and expectations to pray. And you ask why? And why does this feel like a a but, but he went to pray. I got two ideas for you. Number one is Jesus refuses to live according to the agendas and expectations of the crowds. He won't conform himself to the crowd's expectations. And so the way he refreshes his view on the agenda the Father has for him is what? He gets a way to pray. And do you have a crowd after you trying to get you to live in a certain way? and it's peer groups, and it's all this other stuff. How are you gonna get to where you're on God's agenda? You gotta get away, you gotta, you gotta pray. If Jesus had to pray, <laughs> this is funny, because we're like, yo, I don't have time to pray. You ever said that before? I don't have time to spend time with God. I heard one pastor say, the purpose, the eternal purpose of Facebook is to show us on Judgment Day that we actually did have time to pray. <laughs> but Lord, I was on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and just this, Jesus needed to pray. He was desperate to pray. Uh, if Jesus needed to pray, I don't know how to, to put this more plainly, then some sorry fool like me really needs to pray. <laughs> I need to pray. So Jesus prays to stay on the Father's agenda. He also prays to be filled with the power of the Spirit. You know, it tells us in uh, Philippians, Jesus set aside his deity. Not that he wasn't God, but he, he set aside the right of just acting in godness, and he, re- he lived as a human in his human nature. He was truly human. And so just like you and I need to do, he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit to live his life. So Jesus has gotten a way to pray. He's on the Father's agenda, and here the text is telling us he's just popping with the power of the Holy Spirit right here. He's, 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 he's ready. And so you got this scene where Jesus' enemies and critics are here and this full of crowd, people are here, and Jesus has been spending time with the Father and he's ready to go, and in comes this paralytic. Now this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. 
Now, I've been very privileged to travel uh, in my life and to go to some, some hard places. Uh, anywhere, anytime, it'd be hard to be a paralytic, right? Amen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I can't imagine. Uh, we, we weep for what struggle that must be like. But, oh, goodness, to be a paralytic in the third world, this just is hopeless. It's just hopeless. There's not support groups and technologies and helps and respect like, like so often we enjoy. It's just, it's hopeless. And for this man to be a, a paralytic, and, and no one seems to care. No one seems to care. This, this, this brother, he's got friends. And they bring him on a bed to this place. Can you imagine this scene? I mean, this place is, this place is hot. You got all the critics in the world taking one section of the seats. It's packed out with crowds. You can't even get in there. And then here's Jesus. And then, and then kind of the small subplot of the story is this paralytic. He's a nobody. He's a beggar. He's lost. He has no hope. But he's, he's got one thing on his mind. Where's he going to get to Jesus? You know what's so sick is he couldn't get in because of the crowds. It's the first time I really kind of dealt with this issue. I mean, if... if God willing, if we were filled beyond belief, right, and a paralytic came in and needed a seat, I hope some of you would move for him. Please, right? Would you make way so that he could come? This crowd wouldn't. He couldn't get in. Do you see how despised he is? How unvalued he is? He's an outsider. Nobody cares. Except he's got these friends, and they're like, well, I, I'm, I'm not as gutsy as these people are. How many of y'all would have been like, hey, Joe, we carried you all the way here. We love you. I'm sorry, man. The crowd won't let us in. I don't know what else to do. And then uh, Steve, or whoever he was, is like, let's go through the roof. All right, let's do it. <laughs> What does this look like? They climb on the roof. They got, like, they got a pulley system or something. And they, they rope him up there. And then in an ancient house, you could actually do this. They're going to remove tiles. So here's Jesus talking, I guess. And everybody's around. And some people are angry. and some, They're all listening. And all of a sudden, you hear it. Or. And, and then, you know, the light shines through. And then down on, on some sort of pulley system comes a paralyzed man on a pallet. And talk about being on the spot, right? What's Jesus supposed to do with this? What's everybody expecting? Come on, you know what Jesus has been doing. What's everybody expecting? A miracle. And Jesus is on the spot now. Everybody's watching. But see, the, and, and oh, what's, what's the pressure now for him to do? Got to heal this guy. And guess what he doesn't do at first? He's on a different agenda. Look what he's going to say. What does he say to the man? Man, your sins are forgiven you. What do you think? Is that quite what the paralytic was hoping for? Maybe it was. He has amazing faith. He went through a roof. But I gotta think at least a lot of him was hoping to get healed. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. I got a hard question for you. If, you had, if God said, open prayer requests, here's your two choices. I'll fix your hard circumstances or I'll forgive your sins. Which one do you want? This is everything about what you believe about God and what you believe about yourself. Which one do you need? 
Which one would you be happier with? Is, is Jesus being cruel to the paralytic? Verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees now are very angry. They begin to question. Look at verse 21. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, to their credit, they do have a point. Do you think they have a point? To forgive somebody, you have to have been sinned against them. You have to have been sinned against by them. You hear what I'm saying? So um, say uh, I, had a, I had a scuffle with my wife this morning and we were arguing and I was crusty with her and I came in and after prayer, I came up and said, you know, my wife and I were arguing and I said to you, will you please forgive me? You might be like, it's not my business. It's not my issue to forgive you. Or say, say I go out of church afterwards and you and, and your wife are arguing in the parking lot and I walk up to you and I go, I just want you to know, I forgive you. <laughs> and y'all be like, I'm sure that's not your business. <laughs> Jesus looked at the man, the paralytic man, and said, all your sins, my business. They were all against me. And you need my forgiveness. And guess what? I'm giving it to you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Folks, only God can say that. Only God can say that. So Jesus has something to prove here. He just said the paralytic sins, which also means the scribes and the religious teachers' sins, which also means your sins, every one of them, were against him personally, and you need his forgiveness. Prove it, Jesus. Okay. Which is easier? To say, hey, paralytic, rise and walk, or to forgive sins? This is a loaded question. Which feels easier for you? I'll tell you what feels easier for me. Hey, sometimes forgiveness is hard. It's hard for me to forgive people, but I got a way better chance of forgiving somebody than I do of walking up to a paralyzed man and saying, be healed, and seeing him walk. It's a lot easier for me to forgive, right? What about you? So Jesus is saying, listen, I'll prove to you that I have the authority to forgive sins by healing a paralyzed man. So what does he say? Rise. Take up your bed and walk. And guess what happens? I wish we could see it in slow motion. I wish we could watch it. His legs, which have been withered, and the nervous system, which isn't connecting, and the body, which isn't working right, all of a sudden, recreated before your eyes. And he stands up and he walks. And the text tells us he's glorifying God. And we can imagine what that means, right? You don't rise and take up your bed and go, oh, that's interesting. <sighs> what do you do when you rise and you take up your bed and you walk after you've been a paralyzed beggar? <laughs> he's freaking out. He's jumping. He's yelling. He's, he's, he's out of his mind happy. And he's been forgiven. <laughs> wow. Who's Jesus? What do you learn from this passage? What did he call himself? He says, I want to show you the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Let me, let me give a picture of the Son of Man. This is a reference from the prophet Daniel, Daniel 17, 13 to 14. Look at this. 17, Daniel 7, 13 to 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, that's the Father, and was presented before him. And to him, the Son of Man, was given what? 
dominion, and glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. When Jesus calls himself the son of man, I'm king, he is saying, of everyone, everywhere, at all times, in all places. Which means every sin you've ever committed was against him, which means you desperately need his forgiveness. That's who Jesus is. Second thing, what does he love to do for his people? You saw it in the story of the paralytic. What does he love to do for that man who comes with faith? Your sins are forgiven. Wow. Your sins are forgiven. You know, that, that question, which is easier, is kind of uh, sticking with me. We said, uh, right, maybe you feel this way, it's easier for you to forgive than to heal a paralytic. Anybody else in that boat with me? For Jesus, it's different. It's different. Does it look like it's that hard for him to cleanse a leper and heal a paralytic? What's he been doing the entire gospel of Luke? He's healing people all the time. What's he gonna do when there's a storm, his disciples are afraid, he's asleep in the boat, he's gonna wake up and be... It's not hard. Is it hard for him to forgive? Is it hard for him to forgive? You know, sometimes we think it's like, it's, it's God's job to forgive. We think it's his job, like he owes us. You know, sometimes we think, when you stand before him, you just be like, hey God, nobody's perfect. And he'll be like, you know what? That is an excellent point. You're right. Never mind all your sins. No problem. Is that what God is like? Is that what God will say? Did you know that God does not have to forgive anyone? He doesn't have to. There is nothing that compels him to forgive us in our rebellion. In fact, if you want to start talking about what God owes you, forgiveness will not be on that list. He does not owe forgiveness. God is just and he loves what is good and he hates what is evil. And that was a problem for the paralytic and it is a problem for me. And God never says, oh well, no biggie about evil deeds. Never, never. He cannot, I want you to know that. He has no desire to do that. It is against his character to say, oh well, no biggie, to any sin. It has never been done. It will never be done. That is not God's response to sin ever once. Which is easier? To heal a paralytic or forgive sin? You got, the biggest question in the Bible might be this. How can God be just and not send us to hell for the evil we've done? In America, we ask, how can God let bad things happen to good people? The Bible asks, how can God let good things happen to bad people? And if you're mad at this, hey, imagine yourself in a courtroom and imagine a criminal there who's done evil and horrible crimes against perhaps you or your family and imagine the judge saying, the judge saying to that criminal, hey, no biggie, and setting him free. You would be outraged at the lack of justice. God will never do that. He's just 
which is why I need to show you this. Oh, it's all in this question Jesus asked, which is easier? Look at Romans 3, just for a moment, 22. Romans 3, 22. Romans 3, 22, Paul says, there's no distinction, in which everybody's equal here, okay? And then verse 23, for all have what? All of us, and fall short of the glory of God. We have not loved him, we have not delighted in him, we have done what he hates, and we have not done what is good. Verse 24, but... We are justified by his grace as a gift, which means freely, despite all your sin, you can be counted right with God as if you never did it. The greatest gift possible, justified by his grace as a gift. How? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. The way you can be forgiven, it wasn't easy for Jesus. He went to the cross. He went to the cross for you. Which is easier, to to heal a paralytic or to forgive sins? Jesus says, healing all day. Forgiving is hard, but I'll do it. I love to forgive my people. And, And God did it this way to show you something, you guys. I want you to see this. Look at the rest of verse 25. This was to show God's what? Righteousness. God wanted to show you something by forgiving you according to the cross. Here's what he wants to show you. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. See, you thought that because forgiveness was a gift on the cross that maybe God doesn't care that much about sins. And Paul is saying, no, it's the opposite. This is how much God cares. It took a cross to save you. And Jesus did that for you. It was to show God's righteousness at the present time so that he could be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Is God just? Does he pay out justice for sin? Yes, he paid it out on the cross, but can he justify and take you and me, sinful people, and make us right with him? Yes, he does both. How? The cross, the cross, the cross. Here's how it works. Imagine somebody, a really rich guy, really, really rich, and he loves this really poor, hopeless lady who's in just massive debt, and he loves her. He says, baby, marry me. She's like, I don't know why you wanna marry me, but okay. And then he receives what's hers, and she receives what's his. And that horrible debt she owed, he receives it, and guess what he does? He pays it. And all that wealth he has Guess what belongs to her all of a sudden? It's hers. That's what Jesus did for his bride. That's what Jesus did for his lady. I was the one with the debt. We were the one with the debt. We couldn't pay it. Jesus married us by faith. And he took what was ours, our sin and our dirt, and he took it and he paid for it on the cross. And he gives us what is his, all his righteousness, his glory, his inheritance, it's ours. Folks, it wasn't easy, but Jesus loves to forgive the sins of his people. We saw that in this passage. We had other questions too. What's the only way to come to Jesus again from the story of the paralytic? The paralytic dropped down and be like, Jesus, you owe me. No, he's just like the leper, isn't he? A humble, desperate faith, a humble, desperate faith. But now we see a contrast. We see a contrast. Remember the, remember the religious leaders? They're watching all this, right? They're watching all this. Jesus said to the paralytic, I'll forgive you. 
The religious leaders say, you can't say that. That's blasphemous. Only God can do that. Jesus says, all right, I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it I can do it. I'll prove that I forgive sins, and I'll do it by healing the paralytic. Fair deal? Would you guys take that bet? Okay. The, the, the scribes and the religious leaders watch Jesus heal the paralytic, and he gets up and walks. And guess what they should have done as soon as that paralytic stood up? They should have fallen down. They should have fallen down and said, forgive me too. Forgive me too. Instead, what do they do? Shake their heads. They won't have it. They're angry. Why? I mean, they just had a miracle right in their face. Do you have pride like that, y'all? that you could look at who Jesus did and what he offers and say, get out of my face. Throughout this whole book, they won't do it. They won't bow. They, will, they are left angry because they don't want a king. They want to be the king. They don't want him to say, I love you, this is how you live. They wanna say, I love you will choose how I live. And don't get this wrong, folks. These are people who say they believe in God and say they love the Bible and went to church, but they won't submit to him. They won't humble themselves to him. And so they go away angry, and they go away judged. I don't know how to say this. You do not want to not come humbly to Jesus. You don't want to not come humbly to Jesus. All right, we've, we've been asking this question. Who is Jesus? He's the son of man who can forgive sins. What does he love to do for his people? He loves to forgive them. He did it through the cross. Uh, what kind of people are received by Jesus? Those with humble, desperate faith, right? Don't be like the scribes and the teachers. Number four, what does it look like to be his people? Look at verse 25. Immediately, the paralytic rose up before them, picked up what he'd been lying on, and went home. And what's he doing? Glorifying God. And amazement sees them all, and they glorify God, and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Well, indeed, you'd never forget that day, would you? When you know Jesus' forgiveness, though, Luke is saying, you live to glorify God. You love to glorify God. Remember the feeling we imagined it, the paralytic, he can't walk. All of a sudden, he's walking and jumping, and he's glorifying God. Do you feel that way about what Jesus has done for you? Are you just like, yeah. There's, there's two main ways God is glorified in you. One is in your heart. You just love him. You want him. Desires have been changed. He's best to you. He's, he's awesome to you. You love his word. You want it. You, you want what he wants. Your heart's changing. God does that in his people. That's the great miracle. And the second way you glorify God is you want to live like he is in the world. You want his character to come through you to be like you. So, so think about it. What would it mean to glorify Jesus? You're sitting in the crowd. You love Jesus. When the paralytic comes along, you're gonna be like, hey, get out of the way. This is my seat. Or are you gonna be like the paralytic's friend who says, I will get you to Jesus. That glorifies God when you'll say to people around you, let's go to Jesus. I'll get you to Jesus. You're encouraging brothers or sisters that are struggling or they're hurting. You're getting in there. I'll get you to Jesus. You're sharing the gospel with people who don't know him. I wanna get you to Jesus. You're forgiving. Didn't Jesus forgive? 
You know, a major way we glorify God is when I hurt you, you can forgive me, thank you. And I can forgive you, we can forgive one another, but we wanna glorify God and support our brothers and sisters. You know, there's one other thing Jesus did for his people. We saw he, he cleanses them, we saw he forgives them. There's another one, what does he do? He heals them. I know it's on all our minds right now, right? We lost Diane Woodhead this week. This week. Long time, beloved part of this church. Beloved wife. Beloved mom. Beloved sister, and we're hurting. I don't wanna make you not hurt, hurt. It's good to hurt. Jesus groaned at Lazarus' grave. But as we're looking at this passage, we remember, hey, Jesus healed his people. He healed them. I was with some of you when we prayed. Lord, heal her. Wouldn't you like to see Diane take up her bed and walk? We could be frustrated by that. And I think if we're honest, we've asked for healing for lots of people at lots of times and lots of places. God has given it. He's given years we didn't think we were gonna get. He's given new health we didn't think we were gonna get. God has given it. Beloved, we have to remember right here, that leper, he went home and happy that day. Guess what happened to him one day later? He's, he died. <laughs> this paralytic guy, he's jumping, he's, he's hopping. I don't know how many years later, but guess, guess what happened to him? <laughs> He's laying down again. He died. There's one who's Lord of all who died for their sins and he rose and he is alive today and he reigns and he's coming back and he loves and he always heals his people. We have Diane's testimony in this passage. Jesus cleansed Diane of all her sins. And he forgave her. And sometime early Wednesday morning, he healed her. He healed her. And not too long from now, we will join her. I couldn't help but imagine Irene giving Diane a big hug. <laughs> and they're looking down at us and we're sad and we're crying and we should be. I think they'd say, don't cry for me. Cry, please cry, but don't cry for me because Jesus heals his people. We'll join them. Not too long, not too long, Jesus will return. Not too long, we will rise, we will be made clean, we will be forgiven, and we will be healed. Jesus loves to do this for his people. I will, he says, I want to be clean. Take up your bed and walk. Your sins are forgiven. That's what Jesus does for his people. Do you see who he is? I hope he's bumping you right now. I hope he's bumping you, and I hope it makes you happy. And here's how it makes you happy. If you come with a heart like that leper, a humble, dependent faith, on the floor, your heart on the floor before Jesus saying, I need you, and I'm yours. 
And I hope we'll respond like those who've come to him, live life according to his word. Don't be like the scribes and the Pharisees who stay outwardly religious but are inwardly rebellious. Give it all to him. Believe that his word, his commands are life and love for you. What practice do you have in your life right now? It's burning in your brain. It's burning in your heart where you know King Jesus says, you gotta stop. Will you not believe that he is Lord? He is Lord. Cling to Jesus with desperate faith. He's the son of God who always heals his people. Cling to Jesus with desperate faith. He's the son of God who always heals his people. And let's be, you guys already are like this. You are the friends of the paralytic. We bring each other to Jesus, don't we? You did it at the women's retreat. You've done it with the woodheads. You've done it with me. We do it together. Let's keep going to this one who heals us who loves us, who saves us, cling to Jesus with desperate faith, for he is the son of God who loves to heal his people. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.